Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Kings and Priests. What's up, Dean? How are you, man? G'day, g'day. All good. Been a been a few weeks. Good to see you. I know, too long. Big uh, in LA, but a little gray and cloudy, but all good. I know it is this morning, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What's been up? You've been uh, what's up traveling, traveling, busy. working. Yeah, been uh, been back on the road a lot. Just you know, working stuff, but good stuff, good productive stuff. So it's a busy time of year for us. This is uh, yeah. Giving in December is like for North America at least um, mm-hmm. is massive. Like the last week between Christmas and New Year, it just literally goes like off the Richter scale. So, you oh know, yeah, right. Everyone's trying to do their in their last their, minute giving giving, giving Tuesday this last Tuesday, and then now we've got the yeah. end of the year push. Huh? Yeah, probably not. That's not a big thing in Christian circles. It's more like regular nonprofits um, got giving it. Tuesday, but. Um, December and then the last the last week of the year is typically like we just see tens of millions of dollars given, <laughs> and, that, and like even the thirty first, it's just but really yeah, it's nuts. Have you guys heard from um, any of your churches like economy hurting giving at all? Not like, yet. Is there any? Not yet because it hasn't hurt us as a church. I was no. curious if you know generally what I found and and all the data that we go and look at in the last thirty eight years. Since 1998, giving has gone from like 68 billion to 136 last year in in the US. And <clears throat> there's only one year where it went down. It was 2010, which is the overflows of that great recession from the 08 meltdown, and uh, and it only went down a little bit. And you know, most recessions it just goes maybe flat for a year, and then okay. it got starts going back up. Because okay. when good. time when people are afraid, they go to church. So what happens is giving might right. go down a tad, but there's more people. So but more people are going. It all kind of evens out. Uh, got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, man, it has been. Uh, I I feel like in kind of what we talk about, <laughs> business entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. business news, all of it. It's like we could have an episode every day. And things would change. Oh, I feel like there's, it's impossible to keep up with everything <laughs> going on. You've got obviously Elon has just completely. <laughs> Uh, flipped Twitter upside down. Mm-hmm. He, since we last talked, he had a fight with Apple, and then they apparently, him and Tim Cook apparently made up yesterday, which is just hilarious to me that these two billionaires I know. I know. are are going back and forth. They had a walk around the pond at the Apple They had a walk around the pond. Yes. <laughs> he tweets about it. Um, you've got advertisers pulling off of Twitter, mm-hmm. the free speech debate. I mean, it, it literally is like every day there is a new... Yep headline right um but i think it's is, been the most downloaded app and app like eyeballs are growing i think it's like all yeah, working <laughs> usage at all time high. yeah yeah you almost wonder if this is all maybe just in the, big the grand plan. plan but uh there was a um article that came out mm-hmm. i think a few days ago yep. in the conversation and and this isn't the only article of this kind there has been a ton i feel like this has really been leading anything in the business world people have been talking about this and yep. this is just like elon musk's hardcore management style Right. And it's hilarious that it is so polarizing. Either you love Elon and you love everything he does, right. or you think he is the, you know, the devil, the devil incarnate. incarnate and <clears throat> just here to completely ruin. Which, you know, last night he did mention in his Neuralink thing that they think they're close to being able to put a chip in a human brain. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> that's pretty out there. It de- I saw a tweet, uh, Jack Mooring, who is the character Brother Terry online. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we love Brother Terry. We're doing a podcast with. He, yeah. he tweeted uh, last night. I thought was funny. He said, "The savior of free speech just announced he is going to make 
uh, sorry, I'm going to say this again. The savior of free speech just announced he is going to be able to put wireless brain chips in people's heads by next summer, <laughs> which is just hilarious. I know. I love it. So we don't know what he is, but there's been a ton of conversations about like his management style. Right. He has just kind of come in and flipped the entire company upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'll just read this. We'll, we'll link to this article. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it obviously doesn't like this article is very obvious that it, it doesn't like Damn. this management style. But um, it says this. It says since taking over Twitter on October 27th, Musk has stopped employees working from home, canceled employee lunches and laid off about 3,700 employees, roughly half of Twitter's workforce. Many realized that they had been sacked when they could no longer access their laptops um, just days after it emerged uh, that Musk had a team of snoopers comb through employees private slack messages firing those who had criticized him mm-hmm. uh then on wednesday last week bus musk sent an ultimatum to staff to pledge commitment to a new extremely hardcore twitter that will mean working long hours at high intensity uh and employees had until 5 p.m the next day to accept or take a severage package so he's kind of come in and just Slow basically sir. incited chaos right. and flipped flipped over tables so yeah. What do you think about this in general right. as a management style? Right. And then also we've, t- we've had episodes on peacetime versus wartime CEO. Right. I think he talked about how at one point Twitter was losing two to four million a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was going to lose over. 350 so, million this year. Or yeah. So, so okay. I don't know. Talk to me about what you think overall in, in the context of Twitter specifically. And then I guess we can talk about that management style yeah. in your average company. And look, I think this is, you know, our audience uh, is Christian business entrepreneurs, right? That's people who kind of, you know, like to listen to us uh, opine on on things. So we always put our faith lens over uh, everything. And so you think about um, SpaceX and Tesla, um, missional products from the ground up, gathered team, built momentum, built products, sold products and, you know, billions of dollars in, in you know, value. So obviously Elon knows how to do that. So sometimes when you're building something, this style isn't the way to go, you know, and this has been more my experience, like building something from the ground up is you're not trying to bust everything. You're trying to build everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but this is an entirely different thing. He's, he's got to break something because it's, it's half broken. So I think what he's chosen to do is let's fully break it. And I don't know if you've noticed any uh, performance issues on Twitter, but I have not. So this, Mm-mm, I haven't either. So more than I think 50, 60% of the people have been let go and there's no mm-hmm. performance. Like nothing has changed. <laughs> so, right. that, so then as a business person, you go, well, that was a good idea. Right now, maybe there's another, you know, few few months to, to be seen this shake out mm-hmm. but at first sign in the first month or so no performance issue so that's good right um right one thing that i think was cool is at that first week there was these photos that came out of inside the twitter offices of elon just like huddled around a bunch of engineers and like mm-hmm. there till 4 a.m yeah sleeping and on the couch it, it, yeah it's like the gen coming in like as the general right you know what i mean so i think he's painted at least in this it, it's sort of like this evil monster. But I think at the same time, like you said, it's like, okay, let's just do whatever we've got to do to get all of the people that are not going to fit with where we're going culturally out. 
by any means necessary. Absolutely. Well, it it, it would and, seem and start to rebuild. It would seem you had a lot of people that were doing nothing, like literally. And he was walking around like, "Oh, what are you doing?" And they'd like they'd say, "Not much." And he'd like, "Gone." <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and you know that's the owner's boss's prerogative, and that's good management. And you, mm-hmm. you know, so I, look, I just think this style of um, management is applied in this case. I think it's something that you have to do all the time in every circumstance. You have to adapt and apply the management style needed to. And if you've got to turn something around, you you got to flip the tables in something that had so much right. You know, forget the suppression. Like there's going to be potential all this stuff that comes out how they suppress the yeah. uh, Biden laptop story and all that, and mm-hmm. and put their thumb on the scales for you know kind of Democrats or whatever. Forget that for a second. If the business at it, at its core is run by incompetent people that are not passionate, do not want to align themselves with the vision of the new CEO, you're out. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. And then if the thing's losing three or four hundred million a year, of course you're going to go and cut a bunch of costs. It's like that just right. makes sense. So look, I wouldn't call it a hardcore management style. I'd, I'd call it a a, a measured um, reading of what was needed. It, it's like I have something that's sick. Here's the prescription to go fix it. Let's apply that prescription, and that's what he's done. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the critique that? Um... And this is one that I guess makes sense to me. I don't really know that I agree with it, but you know, it's sort of like this idea of people keep saying, well, Twitter, sure, it's a business, but it is a public square platform. In other mm-hmm. words, like some people would say it's more missional than SpaceX or Tesla. It and used so to be. Someone coming in and, and treating it like a business. Right. Is, so so that's like the big thing, right? Like a lot of the journalists, people that work in media uh, are kind of saying, well, Elon isn't fit to run a company like this because it's not just a business. This well, is, his argument. you know, it's the town square. Right. And so therefore there are levers and, and, and ways of doing things that are really important beyond just profitability. Well, that's, but that's the whole point. It might've started out that way as the mission. And I've actually never heard the term digital town square until Elon was like getting involved in Twitter. I don't know if that was the early kind of mission, but mm-hmm. th- that's the whole point. It, it had become not that because, mm-hmm. and for whatever you think, his perception at least, what caused him to go and like pay $44 billion for the business mm-hmm. was that it was becoming <laughs> not <laughs> the place of, yeah. of, you know, free speech because it had, it was restricting speech. And so he's like, well, I'll pony up 44 billion because this digital town square is really important and we're going to get it running properly again. So that, yeah, that's his yeah, perception. And no one else had, no one had 45 billion to, to do something else with it. So he won and he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. 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 It's really interesting. It's definitely like a, I feel like 10, 15 years from now, business schools will do case studies on what what is to come from all of this, right? Um, There's going to be a million really interesting business case studies on Elon all life. I, I know, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. Um, so I was at this thing a couple of weeks ago uh, with just some Christian entrepreneurs and leaders, pastors, mm-hmm. and um, there was this guy there, Ken Costa, who you know, I think. Um, it was really funny. Like you sent me the show notes this morning, yeah, last night, funny. and I didn't look until this morning. And I got a message, and this is at five thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. um, and I happened to be up. Um, and it, it was Ken <laughs> and he's like, Hey, Ken. he's like, Hey, Dan, I want to talk to you about something. So, and then I'm like, I go in the notes, like, 
We're talking about Ken. I just talked to Ken. That's hilarious. So, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he was like there as kind of like a sage speaker. Yeah. He's a legend. Which was actually really cool because it, there was only about 30 people at this retreat. And he literally, for two straight days, sat at a table by yep. a fire. We were in Colorado. Love and it. he just said, come on and sit and talk. And he would sit with just mm-hmm. individual person, one after the other. Yeah answer questions, pray for them. Profe- he's actually very prophetic. I mean, he's a he's very a, prophetic guy. No, no. He's one of the most devout um, believers in business that I've ever met. Like mm-hmm. the genuineness of his faith, the the walk that he's walked through. Shoot. I mean, Ken's, I, I, he probably, he, t- he tells people, but I, I think he's in his late 70s. Um, I might be wrong on that, mm-hmm. but. It could be more, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, yeah. The point the point is, he has been a man of faith in, in business for maybe as long as anyone um, that I've ever met or, or known about, and uh, he's as genuine, you know, as you get. Yeah, I, man, it was so cool. We were he literally just kind of came up. He did a morning little session, and he kind of sat up on a stool with a tiny little notepad that he had just scribbled on that morning, and he was mm-hmm. like. He opened the magazine from his room that shared thought from an article he read about Yellowstone. Right. And then he did this whole talk, which I want to go through some of the some of the things mm-hmm. there. But then at the end, he he literally asked probably one of the most brilliant, like pastoral questions. He said, Okay, I want you to turn around to the person next to you. And I want you to say to them, um, what is the one question that you don't want me to ask you? Mm-hmm. Nice. Like in other words, like What's the one thing going on in your life that you don't want me to ask you about? And I was like, dude, that is probably the most <laughs> penetrating bad a pastoral question to ever. I'm going to start asking that in every pastoral meeting I have. Right, like, right. forget that. How yeah. you doing? What's yeah. the one question you don't want me to ask you about right, right. now? Um, right. So he talked, man, he probably talked for about an hour. Um, and yeah. I want to just kind of run through some of this stuff. So for those of you who don't know, Ken Costa is a banker, investor, philanthropist. Um, he... I believe was a co-founder of Alpha, right? And is kind of yeah, one he of was, the main he was involved funders. with Nikki Nikki Gumbel, right? In uh, in, okay. in the kind of the early um, and and then the propagation. Like Ken is a natural; he's extremely networked, and <clears throat> if he wants something to go and places, he he'll just open doors and it'll go. Right? Yeah, and so, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, just a great, great dude. But he made a couple um, observations that I want to kind of share with you get your thoughts mm-hmm. and i it, honestly i've been looking over these notes pretty much every day since since i i yeah. took them down so um the first thing he said is he said that so the world that we're building in and he was talking to entrepreneurs and church pastors right he said is volatile uncertain complex angry and anxious right and his whole thing was like every day when you wake up what you have to remember is this is the world that we're building in and his belief was that it's not going to change anytime soon. He said, right. this is the world that we're living in. And, and he said, economically, culturally, all of it. Yep. Everything that you're building is going to be built in this environment. Um, I agree so with that. He said, you need to remember that every day, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, the, the, the thought of some utopian Christian kingdom environment really playing itself out to dominate, dominate the earth as, you know, and we know the ultimate, um, the ultimate plan of God is is to change the world, but you know, in the here and now, where we're living and breathing and trading and building, and we're just we're in Rome, we're in, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a fallen world, and so the the volatility, the the complex 
you know, nature of all the things that are being up the upheaval culturally right now that we're dealing with as Christians living in this, you know, sinful environment is uh, is not going away anytime soon. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, um, it was just kind of sobering, you know, yeah. he just kind of yeah. said it to everybody, yeah. you know? Right. Um, <clears throat> so he, he also talked about this difference between an insurgent and an incumbent mm-hmm. and, you know, so he kind of used a, a startup or a church plant, right? Mm-hmm. Those are mm-hmm. your insurgent. They're moving fast. They're taking ground, right. they're building. And he said, and they get to a certain point and then they become incumbents. And right. he kind of used that as this, his whole kind of talk centered around, are you doing this on your own, in your own strength? Uh, or are you trusting in, in God to help you build what you're building? And he right. kind of used this as insurgents is faith zone and right. incumbents are when we go, okay, I've now arrived. Right. I have gotten to a certain level of stability and I'm operating in my own strength. And he basically right. was like, the question you have to continuously ask in your organization is in what areas am I being the incumbent? <laughs> right, which I thought right. was a really interesting um, yep. um, thing to think about. Um, it's it's a challenge. Go ahead. It's yep. a challenge, right? The the fuel you need to get the rocket off the ground is exhausting, full of risk. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just relentless. And then you get into orbit, and the and the mm-hmm. temptation is to, to take a rest because you're in orbit. You've launched. Mm-hmm. You're making money. You Revenues growing, you're covering your costs, you're making a profit, right? But then the, I think the, the analogy is here is that when you, you know, get comfortable, there's some other rocket builder down below you that is doing all the things that you did to get into orbit. And if you don't keep some of that mentality to keep going to, you know, the next phases and levels of growth, you're going you're gonna to get taken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he kind of talked about when you get to this part of being an incumbent and he said, especially like high achievers, builders, entrepreneurs, um, he said, you can get to this place where what you're putting out into the world is satisfactory, but underperforming. And only, you know, that, which I thought was really interesting. Right. It's yeah. like, yeah. we only know, okay, this was good enough. Right. But we're the only people who know, okay, is this, am I really performing here as a business, as a right. leader, as an individual, as a team? which I thought was really interesting. And that was like his, his way of describing, are, are, are you an incumbent or not? Like, is everything right. you're doing fine? Right. But at the end of the day, you kind of know we could have done better, which I yeah. thought was really good. And he kind of just talks about like, when we get into that mode, that's when we kind of go away from relying on the Holy Spirit and God in what we're building right. and just kind of start building it on our own. Um, and and continuing to take steps of faith, you know, it, it took... Right. It took a risk-taking, faith-filled attitude to get going, and the hard thing is, is to. And the, the here's the here's the juxtaposed position. There's more on the line. You risk as funny as it sounds when you have nothing and you're taking a bunch of risks. Mm-hmm. It's it's much easier to do that. Mm-hmm. For, well, for some people, they never even get to that point, right? They just mm-hmm. want to stay in safety. Mm-hmm. But to the very few people that will risk everything to turn something from nothing. It takes mm-hmm. more discipline and faith to once you have built something to then, you know, double down. Like, do I mm-hmm. bet the farm again, right? Mm-hmm. Or do I incrementally go, you know, I'm going to protect this part of my business because I've got it up and running and I'll take a bet over here on this new product or this new service and take, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's the thing. It's actually harder 
as you grow mm-hmm. and as you get yeah. bigger to take those kind of risks again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, what was, let me see. Uh, okay. This was good and we could just touch on this, but I thought it was interesting. Fads pass. You can't build on fads and phases. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. don't sustain. Mm-hmm. That to me was, was really great. Is like, you know, again, there's just, sorry, I'm getting someone. Brian, Brian Voss is, uh, <laughs> doesn't you know we're doing a podcast uh yeah exactly i know she's brian um uh what was i oh yeah okay don't build on fads and phases um yeah talk to me about what you think about that like that to me we talk about all all day about that you know yeah the the principles the the true principles that that you use to grow a business are the same they don't change much um mediums change there might be mechanisms that come along that could be good, but, you know, things like, um, you know, there's this thing going on, especially in tech, of the four-day work week. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if that's a fad, but I, it just doesn't resonate with me. Now, you, someone could say, well, why does it five day? Like, who like who came up with that? Um, I mean, it's just worked for, like, the Industrial Revolution in the late 1800s through, you know, to the digital age, right, in, in 1995, so you could call it when it started. Mm-hmm like literally, you know, elevated the world like a million X compared right. to the previous 5,000 years. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, you might think you're, and th- is this a product of, this is one thing. This is a product of this new millennial kind of, oh, we don't, you know, quality of life and work life. I've never heard of work-life balance. Talk about, <laughs> say that to some guy like in the 1920s, you know, starting a car mm-hmm. company. There was no such thing as a work. Exactly. Now, is there extremes? Of course. But so, you know, I hear something like the four day work week and I'm, you know, 58, just turned super, you know, okay, boomer guy here, but I'm like, that doesn't resonate with me, you know? And, and yeah. so that doesn't mean like, I think 40 hours, like if you build on the business, you don't think in hours, you don't think in days. No. You are just, you're pretty much always on. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to just, I might not do them like five days in a row, eight hours a day. But I'm, I'm going to work 60 hours a week because i got my, my phone with me all day, yep. every day, and I, and I don't turn it off. And I don't shut up. I don't have an email thing that says, oh, I'm on vacation. Right. The thought of coming back to 400,000 emails from taking a week mm-hmm. off it puts more stress than waking up and dealing with them twice a day. So, yeah, exactly. you know, it's just, anyway, like th- there's fads, and I don't know if the four-day work week is a fad, but doesn't resonate to me anyway but so there's things that come along i think i think i I think it is and that you'll probably see these companies that embrace things like four-day work weeks cease to exist in 10 years that would be my bet like how do you build a company off of of that now if you're a solo entrepreneur and you have a lifestyle business like fine that's a totally different thing but building a a business you know right yeah that doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense to me at all or even like i'm not anti like work-life balance like, I right. think you should have time with your family. I think you should go and play golf. I do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think you should have that. But it's just a mindset. You can't go in thinking you're going to change the world, worrying about work-life balance and working four days. I'm sorry. You just, right. it, you, that's the, can't be your mindset. Now, should you have, you know, maybe take a Friday off a month once a Fine. You know? Yeah, totally. That means I'm probably going to do a bit of work on, you know, Saturday afternoon or something. Well, that's, like, it, I was just, just about to say, that's funny. Probably once, probably once every two months, I kind of just go, today I need to go play golf. Right, exactly. And guess what that means? And, and I do it, but then that means I'm usually working that night. 
Correct. or I'm working for six hours that Saturday or whatever. Yeah. But it's not because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to crumble if I don't get a day yeah. off. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know. Mindset, it's, it's interesting right? to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree. Bad spots. Um, okay. So let's talk. Uh, let's I see. I love the next one. Yeah. Yeah. The inability yeah, yeah. to the, deal with failure. Inability, inability to deal with failure. Learn what went wrong, but don't linger over it. And then in pure Kin Costa fashion, he says, he said, you can keep playing the tapes and watching them, but the, but, but what's on them is not going to change. <laughs> you know, in other words, you can <laughs> play the tapes true. over and over. Right. But it's, it's not going to change. And I thought that was really interesting is like, uh, what did I try to do that didn't work? Yeah. What can I learn from it? And then how right. can I move on as opposed to just in our, a lot of times like hard nosed, emotionless, just going to keep building. Um, right. We kind of just move past some of that stuff. Yeah. This may be the number one trait needed by someone who's a builder. Builder of church, builder of business, builder of marriage, builder of anything. You just um that the the inability to deal with failure, it's hard. It's one of the hardest things. Me personally, you know, I failed at plenty of things. Um you know, some guy kind of beat me up more than others, but you know, you you take everything personal when you're a uh, self responsibility person, right? You're not mm-hmm. looking to your first instinct is not to blame others for the failure, it's to take responsibility. And when that's your uh, kind of true north on how you live your life, those failures can really slap you across the face. And so it's difficult. And it actually, it, that fear actually leads people not to, not to take the risk. It's actually the, mm-hmm. the fear of failure and looking at the potential of this venture not working causes you not to start the journey, right? So it's, it's only like very rare. So, you know, what is 2 3% of people that actually get on the journey to go and build something? like a business and then um, the, the inevitable failure that comes, it's inevitable. You're going to make mistakes. Um, some are, that won't cost you much. Some will cost you a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I've made mistakes where it's in the millions, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, like it's cost millions of dollars because of a mm-hmm. mistake. So that's not fun. And then personal failures are terrible. Like that's those as Christians, right? You just try and hold yourself to a really high standard. And so look, that to me, and maybe the number one thing that a, a builder of anything yeah. must uh, must just grapple with and get a hold of. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're if you're trying stuff, you're gonna fail. Yeah, which means it's inevitable. I was listening to um, Chamath did an mm-hmm. interview with Lex Friedman a couple. Yeah, of I watched ago, some which I would highly recommend. Very good. And he was talking about when he was at Facebook, he would have a meeting every week with all the product managers to talk about just the experiments that they were running right. most of which they would fail and they would literally champion these these, yeah, these things, things that people tried that didn't work yeah and I, I may be getting the exact detail wrong but i think what i remember what he said was out of one of these meetings came the feature that was you know when you signed up okay do you want to share with us your contacts these right. are here are people you may know and it was like right. the main viral mechanism inside Boom. of facebook that grew it Right, that they never would have come up with that idea had they not sat around a table once a week and said, "Hey, this is what we tried that didn't work." Right, and right. and that to me is like the ultimate, the ultimate example of like you try something it doesn't work. Okay, what went wrong, and then how do I how do I move on? Um, yeah, yeah. So okay, so the next the next one that I thought was really good, and we can um, kind of loop this in. I think with kind of the last two points he makes 
he said, uh, you, can ha- you can have as much ambition as your dependence and obedience to Jesus will allow you to have. So mm-hmm. in other words, there's this tension between the ambition that we have as people who want to build something and mm-hmm. our obedience and trust in Jesus. So he's not saying ambition is bad, but right. he's saying like, you can actually, you, you can have as much ambition as you can handle as right. long as it's submitted to Jesus and right. you are being obedient to him and you're not doing it in your own strength, which to me sounds like amazing, but at the same time, such a complicated balance <laughs> to, to, yeah, to deal with, right? <clears throat> yeah, especially because, you know, here's the, the flip side. God gives you a gift, right? And then you're supposed to use that gift to multiply it, right? Parable of the talents, maybe my favorite. And so, oh, and then when you're in your gift, everything's easier. You ever notice right. when you're just in your sweet mm-hmm. spot and you're doing exactly what God's gifted to do? So then you go, oh, man, I'm really like awesome at this. And then you forget where the gift came from. Yeah. Right. The only reason you're awesome is because God gave you that ability. So as Christians, right, that's what we always kind of come back to. I'm like, I'm functioning. And that I would say like ambition is just kind of a worldly word for godly vision. And so, but you know, it, 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 it all comes from him and what I have comes from me. What I own is his, like, you know, the stewardship yep. understanding of stewarding my life for his glory. Like it's always in the back of your mind. So yeah, you've got some gifts and yeah, you're hitting some home runs here, but don't forget where it all, all comes from and where it all goes back to eventually. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Love it. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it was really cool. I'll, we'll put some of these notes in the show notes and then we'll link to some of his books. He's got, tons of just like writing and all kinds yeah. of stuff. But if you are a Christian entrepreneur and you have never uh, jumped into Kinshasa and learned about him, like devour his stuff. It really is mm-hmm. incredible. Um, Dude, okay, I'll, I'll tell so, you one story about him. Yep, before we yeah. Go, like, like we were in LA hanging out and we're in this hotel, pretty good hotel in Santa Monica and we're in the lobby. And mm-hmm. he literally, there's like five, six of us. And he's literally like, let's pray. And like we're in this like super hipster thing, and there's this like eighty year old guy, and we're sitting in this like one of those cool booths where we're all mm-hmm. sitting sat around with him. We had you know coffee going, and we all just started praying. Wow! And dude, it was like the best thing I've experienced in a long time. That was Ken. That's him. That was well. That was the thing. I mean, just even being around him was like, oh, you're you're like a you are a true minister and. Yep. Business, business builder come on they're Together. like they're they're one never leaves the other you are nope. just completely immersed i, I asked him a question right. like right. how do you separate the two you know whatever and he kind of literally looked at me and was like i, I just i don't there is yeah. no that's all one. there is no separation this is who i am yeah. this is what i do and i was just yeah. like man Bam. um so a couple a couple tweets back to elon just a quick mm-hmm. we'll touch on this for just a second but i thought it was just such an incredible thing that he tweeted uh this was kind of like after they had launched twitter blue uh, it was a complete cluster and they pulled it down, I think over the course of two or three days. And he just tweeted, please note that Twitter will do lots of dumb things in coming months. We will keep what works and change what doesn't. I thought that was just a, an incredible, just like what, what we're seeing of what it means to build. Mm-hmm. Well, what we're seeing is maybe the most transparent, like, um, repairing Building of the public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That we're ever, maybe we'll ever see, and he's literally coming on and every day running ideas by people. Right, he's just throwing things like up in the air. Like, um, 
mm-hmm. who's the guy, the writer? Like Elon's like, oh, Twitter Blue should be 20 bucks. Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And he's Stephen like, King. Ah. yeah, he's like, nah, I'd never pay that. And he's like, how about five? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow they said, all right. Like, so we may never see this again. So if you're not an Elon fan, whatever, you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter, follow him. If you follow no one else other than you and me, you should follow uh, um, Elon just if you're a business person, just for the education you're yeah. about to get. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it'll make you think. It will literally make you go, do, what do I think about this or that? Or oh, it's, it's interesting. Um, okay. So lastly, Mark Andreessen, um, he's been on a tweet storm lately uh, yeah. or – Whoever's tweeting for him has been yeah. on a tweet storm lately. Um, Maybe that guy who's making 200 grand a year. Literally, yeah, the guy he's paying 15 grand a month to to run his Twitter account. Uh, that's the job I need, man, you know? Yeah, just, I know. Just, uh, yeah. I need someone so, for that for me. I, man, I know. It's like, yeah, anyways. Um, uh, okay, so he said this, and this actually goes back to your kind of four-day work week fads phases conversation mm-hmm. we had just a few minutes ago. He said the arbitrage returns to merit, determination, hard work, and toughness are rising every day. Rising. And Absolutely. I just thought that was like, if I've felt one sentiment from being yep. around, I feel like the last month has been kind of like a crash course in me just being around people who are steps ahead of me in every yep. area of my life. Yep. And I feel like that tweet sums up the sentiment that I'm hearing from yep. everyone, which is like... It, all of the flash, the fad, the phase is done. Like, yep. are you doing what you say you're going to do? Are you determined? Yep. Are you willing to work hard? And are you tough as hell? And if yep. that is what you're willing to be, that's mm-hmm. the world we're living in right now. Um, that's what's going to win. That I thought was interesting, which goes back to that four-day work week, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully that's a fad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, love it, man. Cool. Good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. Anything else? Any other thoughts? No, stuff I just think, read, watched? you know, um, yeah, I'm reading and watching a lot, but, um, you know, it's coming into Christmas. So, you know, it, people are going to have a little di- downtime here coming in soon. So, you know, like, like when, when it's time to take a rest, you take a rest, right? This is the opposite of all like we just talked about and enjoy your family and, you know, just all those good things and just kind of stay super thankful. And if you, if you had a great year, celebrate it and be thankful. If you had a tough year. Celebrate it and be thankful. You're still standing, and uh, and you know start uh, start thinking about how how you're going to bring some you know different angles of attack for next year. But um, this time of year, I start like getting a little reflective on okay, this was the year, this one went good, this is what didn't, and then you know I start thinking already about the next year. You know, probably by the middle of November. But you know, you're going to start to have to think about the Q1. And some of the things, you know, like just we're doing things right now that are literally, you know, Q1 implementations that we're, you know, writing down now and going to get very aggressive with in, in the first quarter because you want to hit that. It's just a date and it's another year, but it's, it's there's something. It's tough to it, right? You hit the new year. Um, most of our lives are pinned into this yearly thing, this quarterly thing. And so you, you run with it, you use it, and, you know, you just got to start thinking about what, what you're going to do in Q1 to hit the ground running for next year. So that's, again, you know, slowing down, enjoying the moment, but then never. Being reflective, you know, yeah. Yeah, and then, but always kind of having this thing in the back of your mind, okay, I got I got things to execute. And, uh, and, and, you know, 2023 is coming up. It'll be here like that. Yep, yep, awesome. 
Dean, as usual, great stuff. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Uh, Thanks, man. And we'll see you guys next time. Talk to you soon.